With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Grilling JR with the voice of professional wrestling, Mr. Jim Ross. Jim, how are you, man? I'm pretty good, Conrad. Had a busy week at the doctors and uh, trying to get all these little things taken care of. They're not little things if you let them go. And uh, so, anyway, I'm uh, getting better, I think. I'm still uh, going to be off work for a few more weeks. And then we'll just move on, you know, and hopefully uh, it'll work out. I'm uh, getting, I had a long doctor's meeting yesterday over two hours. Uh, so just trying to get better, Connie, you know, how it goes getting old as the shits. Well, I think <laughs> you said can... before on the show, father Tom does no jobs and, None. uh, he's, a, he's already a, over. He's on a hell of a program with you right now, but we know you're going to get the shoulder up right there oh, at yeah. the end. And we're excited to be with you today. And of course, even though you're not on the road for AEW, they are on the road and boy, do they have some big shows lined up. Of course, uh, as folks are listening to this last night was sort of the go home dynamite. And then we've got a big Friday night live opportunity. And then Saturday night, it's the big pay-per-view full gear. It's finally here. The Kia forum, one of the more famous arenas here. In America, maybe like, uh, I think Tony Schiavone and I sort of compared it to the Madison square garden of the West, as far as the importance and history of the building. Yeah. And, uh, we've got MJF and Jay white in the main event. I guess MJF is going to be doing double duty working that pre-show and in a tag opportunity for the ring of honor world titles. It's going to be a fun show, man. What do you expect this weekend? It feels like AEW consistently delivers on pay-per-view. It seems like it, doesn't it? It seems like we, uh, the talents rise to the occasion on, uh, on pay-per-view days or nights as it may be. So, uh, they always bring their best game. It's this crew is one of the most unique crews that I've been around where they really prioritize their efforts and their performance levels on, uh, on pay-per-views. So, uh, I expect a great show, not a good show, but a great show this weekend. And, uh, hopefully the guys put, and the gals pull it off. 
It's going to be a fun, uh, event. Tickets are on sale now at EWTIX.com. We mentioned MJF and Jay white up top. We got a four way for the tag straps with big bill and Ricky Starks in there with LFI FTR and, uh, the house of black. We got the golden jets, which is Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho taking on the young bucks. Hangman Adam Page in a Texas death match with Swerve Strickland. Orange Cassidy in there with John Moxley for the AEW International Championship. What an interesting six man tag this is. Sting, Darby Allen, and Adam Copeland with Ric Flair in their corner, taking on Christian and Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne. And then, of course, we've got Sheeta and Tony Storm for the AEW women's title. It feels like AEW always delivers on pay per view because they do. Uh, you'll be able to watch on Bleacher Report or anywhere you get your pay-per-views. Uh, but of course you can actually still buy tickets. AEWTIX.com. History will be made in a pretty historic building. AEWTIX.com. And of course, that's happening this weekend along with a whole bunch of great football games. Of course, you and I love talking about college football. Some interesting games coming up this coming weekend. Oregon State and Washington. So you got number five playing number 10. That's obviously a big deal. Uh, and then we're going to see Georgia and Tennessee, something you and I are both going to be uniquely interested in the number one team, Georgia taking on Tennessee who's in 21. Uh, and meanwhile, Utah and Arizona, you nor I have uh, huge games this weekend, Alabama, my crimson tide will be playing Chattanooga, Oklahoma will be playing the unranked BYU. We're both the 11 o'clock AM slot here in central time zone. How about that? Yeah, it's tough. Uh, but it's, you know. It, it's what it is. The it's early morning for OU fans, uh, for this game out there in, uh, Utah. So we'll see how it works out. It should be fun. You know, it's, it's a huge game for, uh, BYU and, uh, it's a, it's a big game for Oklahoma. Don't get me wrong, but certainly for BYU playing a, a ranked Oklahoma team is, uh, is compelling. It's interesting. So uh, hopefully my, my Sooners will come through and. And, uh, bring home a win. Yeah. It looks like you guys are a 24 and a half point favorite, uh, Missouri and an 11 and a half point favorite over the Gators. Uh, this time of year is kind of interesting because it feels like you're waiting on someone to stumble as we get towards, you know, championship series. And then of course the playoffs, were you surprised with anything you saw last weekend? Or do you expect anything funky this weekend in a game like Georgia and Tennessee, where Georgia is a 10 point favorite? Well, I think Georgia wins that game. They're, they've got too much depth, too much, uh, talent at the skill position area. So, uh, I don't expect anything to su surprise us, but this time of the year, you just really never know. So, uh, it'll be a fun weekend to watch. That's for sure. And I'll be doing that watching a lot of football. It's going to be fun to see, uh, how it all shakes out as we get down to, uh, bowl season and the playoffs and all the other fun goodness we have with college football. But in the meantime, we've got a lot of great wrestling to hold us over AEWTIX.com. Got a live show on Friday. And then of course the big, uh, pay-per-view on Saturday, go out of your way to check it out. But the reason we're here today is to talk about survivor series, 2003. Of course, we're coming off of survivor series, 1998 last week. That was 25 years ago. Now we're getting in our way back machine to 20 years ago. It's an interesting time here in 2003. We were most recently talking about unforgiven 2003 here on the program. And we touched on that year that's available in the archives. Uh, be sure to check that out. 
But in that show, you and King, whether they're going to lose your jobs to Al Snow and Jonathan Coachman. Yeah, this is, uh, <laughs> this is one of those times where it feels like at times people forget what an important part of the show, the commentary is fair to say. Yeah, I think so. I think people look at it sometimes and say, well, that's an easy job. You just sit there, watch your monitor and describe what you see. It's a little bit more involved than that, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's challenging. Doing commentary is challenging. The faster the talents move, the more challenging it is for the announcers to tell their story. And, uh, so, you know, you just try to keep up and tell the story as it's evolving and developing. And, uh, that's kind of what we did there. I'm not, I wasn't real big on the angle, uh, cause I'm not big on the announcers becoming a bigger part of the show than they're designed to do. But in any event, uh, uh, we did our job and fulfill the assignment and, uh, and moved on. Well, part of the assignment is going to be tough for coach and Al snow, because think about it in this scenario, they're both sort of the heel announcer. And that's not to say that the heel announcer bit is a new thing, but usually it's a good guy, a straight man and a, and a bad guy. But the idea that we're both leaning towards being heels, but I mean, coach has to sort of backslide on that a little bit and, and side with some of the baby faces and it's selective and it's just a miss. And it feels like you guys put both. I mean, not, it's not like it's your call, but the company put both of these guys in a position to fail. And I know that's maybe part of the story, but it's not like the show is going to be better with really a first time commentator in Al snow. This is not necessarily something he's got a ton of experience in. Right. And we're going to put him on the number one wrestling show in all the land and make it live and hope it goes well. And coach can do this, but now coach has to do this as a heel character, not playing off of you as a straight man. So he's going to, he's going to default to being the baby face when he's really a heel. It's a mess to say the least. Yeah. It's, it was uh, awkward. Yes. Let's say, let's put it that way. It's just, it was an awkward fit and, uh, you know, coach and, and, uh, Al did the best they could. That was brand new roles for them. So, uh. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a challenging to say the least. It's a hard job. It's a hard job. And, uh, they were put into a very, what I think was unwinnable situation. So, uh, well, you know, that'll, we can talk about that as the show goes on, but that's kind of the theme of this show was this, this announcing angle. So, uh, it was, uh, interesting to say the least and, and challenging, very challenging. This episode of raw is notable for a few reasons. One, because it's announced that you're going to wrestle coach on raw for the announcer's job, which I'm sure you were thrilled with. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing about this episode is we're building a story where Eric Bischoff is battling with Steve Austin over control of Monday night raw and Hunter is attempting to reclaim the world title from Goldberg. And this is the episode where Goldberg spears Bischoff into the corner. And almost puts, puts Bischoff's head into the turnbuckle. Um, this era of Goldberg and WWE in a word was probably just a miss. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. It was, I think maybe we were trying too hard to find something viable for Goldberg to do a landing spot that would, uh, be memorable. And that's what we were looking for. But this whole storyline was uh, developed. Uh, at least in my take, uh, on uh, on how we build Goldberg, 
and trying to build Goldberg in a way different than stone cold at times is challenging. Something else was challenging is trying to figure out, will we see him again? Will we not? What is the future of Dwayne Johnson? There's going to be a promo that airs on this episode of Monday night raw from the premiere of the movie, the rundown where he says he wants to be on raw, but if he never gets the chance to do that again, he wants to thank Vince, the wrestlers and the fans. And that sounds like a half-assed goodbye here, Jim. Yeah, but it wasn't. Yeah. It sounded like it, but it wasn't. And I think sometimes during that period of time, uh, we weren't real sure what was going to happen. Right. I mean, rock had great opportunities and he was, he was, he was putting out uh, hit, hit movies. Uh, his movie career is launching and becoming more powerful. So, uh, we're always, we're very proud of rock. He was just getting this thing really rolling. And I like that movie you mentioned. It was a good, was a good, was a good flick. Uh, you know, he had, he had some, he had some nice, uh, successes, some nice wins did rock, uh, in those early days and still does. But bottom line is that he came out of the box hot and, uh, and was, was kicking out some damn good films early on the show does a uh, 3.58 rating, which means 4.66 million viewers. It's the lowest rated episode of Monday night raw in months and raw. The next week is in Chicago with a hell of a main event, Rob Van Dam winning the intercontinental championship from Christian in a ladder match. This is uh, a new era of Monday night raw, a ladder match for the intercontinental title. Not on pay-per-view on free TV. It's a big moment, a big opportunity for guys like Christian and Rob Van Dam. First of all, to be in the main event of a Monday night raw. But secondly, when it's high stakes like this, you guys are swinging for the fences. That's a heck of a main event, dude. Yeah. Yeah, it was those guys really, uh, went above and beyond the call of duty, uh, to steal the show. And I, and they arguably did steal the show. It was a hell of a match. Well, you're actually going to be a guest on this episode of Monday night raw on the highlight reel with Chris Jericho. And that's where it's revealed that the match with you and coachman is going to become a whipping match. Uh, I guess here in the South, we used to call it a country whipping match. Either way, during this segment, Jericho attacks you, puts you in the walls of Jericho for quite a while. And then it's time for your match. Coach is going to come out wearing a Brett Favre Jersey. And, uh, Jericho is going to do guest commentary and he's comparing coach to a young Tito Santana. You're going to whip coach coach is going to whip you and you hit him with a low blow and a stunner, some whippings with Bischoff here. And then you get the win and then you do the big beer bash with you stone cold and Jerry Lawler, a whipping match. I'll tell you, I have blocked this out of my memory and I'm sure you wish you could too. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't much fun. It's not the fact that, you know, the strap hurts and all that stuff. That's a fact. There's no way to work it. You got to lay it in and, and go with it. And that's certainly beyond my job description, but you know, you just do the best that you can. Uh, but I thought that angle went. I'm glad it didn't go any longer than it did. I thought I was getting tired of it. And I think a lot of the fans were too. I mean, how does it become a, a whipping match? Do you think at any point that this was all just uh, guys in the back having fun, or are we trying to gimmick something up and make it palatable? Or what do you think of the stipulation of it being a whipping match? 
Well, it was a gimmick that maybe anybody could, uh, uh, relate to. Uh, it was all about the whipping and the strap and all that. So that's kind of hard to ma- master or not hard to master. You just beat the shit out of each other. I know somebody who, who told me, gave me some, maybe Arn Anderson. Somebody said, you know, wear a, I think I wore an extra pair of, uh, uh, long handle underwear on my, on that uh, thing to help pad the strikes of the leather strap, which are kind of stiff and unforgiving to be honest with you. So, uh, it just, I was, it was fun to be a part of it and see if it could get any ratings and see if it, how it worked. Uh, but I was really happy when it was over. Yeah. I can imagine that's, uh, not, not on the job description anywhere. Mm-mm. Uh, but afterwards, you know, listen, as silly as it is, I'm sure there's a lot of people who were watching at home who thought, man, that'd be fun to just guzzle a bunch of beer with stone cold in the middle of the wrestling ring. You got to do that. Any fun with that? Or just another day at the office? No, I always was fun because you, you knew at that point, things were, you could let up a little bit. Yes. It was, uh, you're, you're past that, uh, heat stage and the wrestling stage and all that. Now it was a celebratory stage. Uh, there you see uh, a big uh, smile on Lawler's face. Anytime you could, I could work with stone cold, it was a blessing. Uh, you know, hottest guy in the history of the business. So, uh, uh, it was, it was, uh, interesting to say the least Connie, I just, it was. It was just, is we're in no man's land. It we're in an area that I had not been traveling very much. So, uh, you didn't really know what was going to happen or how you were going to handle it. So it was a, a new day, new job, new day, new challenge. And, uh, but again, when it was over, I was glad that it was over. I don't know why it tickles me, but the idea of knowing that after this, you go sit down and do commentary. <laughs> I mean, golly, Jack of all trades. Look at you. We're also going to see a promo on this show where Hunter's going to go old school, much like Harley race, put out a bounty before Starcade on Goldberg. I guess this was really a staple of old, old school, Southern wrestling. Hunter's going to put out a hundred thousand dollar bounty to take out Goldberg. And if you're watching along with us on YouTube, you even see the suitcase full of money. Just like we saw in those old Harley promos, this is old school. This feels like something the Hunter would have had a lot of influence over. Does that sound right? Oh yeah. I I think so. Oh yeah, of course. I think so. He, he was in a position at that point in time that he could kind of, uh, describe and outline his own angles. And like I said before, the best angles are ones that the talent buy into and contribute to. And certainly Hunter contributed mightily, uh, to the creative of his angle. Uh, and uh, just like Austin did with his stuff and, and taker and so forth. Those guys, when they get to a certain level of, uh, stardom, shall we say, uh, they, they do have a, a, I don't want to say a free hand, but they have, uh, they have the opportunity to really contribute to this whole, whole process. The main event of this program is Goldberg teaming up with Shawn Michaels and what a team that is to take on Ric Flair and Randy Orton, uh, Rodney Mack and Mark Henry are going to come out and do run ins and try to collect on the bounty. So it's a nice little story. On the other side of this Monday night, raw is where we find out that the raw crew was sat down and, and told no more over overhead belly to belly suplexes. I guess there was a scary spot where Charlie Haas was throwing Chris Benoit with that suplex Benoit nearly lands almost right on his head. No more. Of course, we had seen guys like Brock Lesnar and Kurt angle and a lot of guys over the years, Taz, lots of folks have done this. <laughs> 
but it is a dangerous move. And at the time I have to admit, I, I would have thought, well, how dangerous can it be? But this was 20 years ago. And we know in more recent years, boy, a really scary situation with the way big E got hurt with his belly to belly suplex overhead on the floor. Yeah. Um, what do you remember about this move? If anything, getting banned? Well, it was time. It, it was, it was getting risky and, and guys are getting careless. I think that's the key thing. Uh, talents are getting careless on the execution of it. And if you don't get a full revolution, then they want you land in one spot and that's on your head. And that's exactly what you do not want to do. So, uh, it was, uh, it was tough. It was tough, uh, uh, sledding for a while. And I think it was a smart move to, uh, to eliminate that belly to belly overhead. Uh, it's just so many things can go wrong. And, and the other part of it is, is that what frustrates me at times is that nobody ever wins with that move. So, uh, or if they do is seldom. So anyhow, that's where I was looking at that deal. Just just be safe and, uh, and not be stupid, be safe, not stupid. I like that. I should be a catchphrase. Uh, there's a push behind the scenes, according to Dave Meltzer to change the way these matches are being put together. Now keep in mind, folks, this is 2003 and it's being written here in the observer that there is a push from the agents in the office, stop doing paint by numbers matches and laying everything out ahead of time, go out there and just call it in the ring. Listen to the crowd. Supposedly Steve Austin is a big proponent for this in this era as well. Um, and a lot of people have mixed feelings on it. Quote. The feeling is that the match quality will drop off at first, but it's a valuable experience they should all have. And eventually will make people better workers because they'll be used to thinking more as part of the match. So talk to me about that. This was the the thinking 20 years ago, and it feels like we're still talking about it today, Jim. Well, a lot of talents just don't want to change. They're afraid to change. They like, they like the, the match by memory scenario. I don't quite frankly, uh, cause my guys get off their script or off their set pattern of moves and they have to deviate. Sometimes uh, things go awry and the match becomes sloppy and, and, uh, and somewhat predictable. So, uh, uh, it, it was time to, you know, I, I just don't, I think talents are just so much better off if they, uh, if they, uh, are connected emotionally and psychologically to each other in a match instead of going by memory. Now, what we're going to do after this, what we're going to do after that, did you now, weren't you supposed to do this? It's just, it gets cumbersome, it gets awkward. And, uh, that's what you don't want. You want it to seem like a natural progression, uh, in a match. And, uh, so that's kind of where I am on that deal. I just, I like the fact that, you know, talents are, are calling it in the ring and they're using their material that works, uh, to make their match more believable. And that's always been the key. Make your matches believable. And you do that by not memorizing your spots. And it looks, it's just an obvious thing that you don't want. You don't want that, that scenario. And Austin was just one of many that wanted to go back to, uh, you know, doing what they believe was the right thing for the match as opposed to memorizing a, a cool script. Well, I don't have to memorize this script. I absolutely love my Henson razor and you will too. 
I just respect the hell out of these guys. First of all, I love that they're a family business, but what I really love is their story. You know, they were an aerospace parts manufacturer that in fact made parts for the international space station and the Mars Rover. But what they decided to do was use their aerospace grade CNC machines to make the thinnest razors you've ever seen. 0.0013 inches, which is thinner than a human hair. And what that means for you is a more secure and stable blade. Not only that, the Henson razor actually has built-in channels to evacuate hair and cream, and that makes clogging virtually impossible. You see what these guys wanted to do is create the best razor, not necessarily the best razor business. If they were looking for the best razor business, they'd want a piece of plastic that eventually breaks down and you need to replace. They'd want to have something proprietary, like some sort of special blade. They'd want to have some planned obsolescence where you've got to get the new version. And oh yeah, they want to hook you up with a lifetime subscription that you forget about. Henson has done none of that. There's no subscriptions. There's no proprietary blades. In fact, it uses the standard old school wrestler type blade. If you know what I mean, the difference being nobody's ever seen a razor this thin. Not only that, it's also more affordable. You see, we're used to this trade-off in life where when things are better, they cost more money. That's like common sense. This is one of those uncommon products where it's the best razor I've ever used, but yet more affordable than any other razor I've ever used. Let me explain. It's only three to five dollars. That's right. Once you own the razor, it's only three to five dollars to replace the blades. Not three to five dollars a week, not three to five dollars a month, not three to five dollars a quarter. Three to $5 a year. I can't believe that's even real. Let's say no to subscriptions. Let's say yes to a razor that will last you a lifetime. Visit HensonShaving.com slash JR right now to pick the razor for you and use the code JR. You'll get two years worth of blades free with your razor. Just be sure to add them to your cart. That's 100 free blades. When you head to H E N S O N S H A V I N G.com slash JR and use the code JR. Last time you got to think about shaving, uh, is uh, with Henson. Uh, it's, it's a great product, quite frankly. And, and it's, it's, it takes one little pain in the ass away from you. You know, all men like a good shave. Yes. And, uh, you get that every time with Henson. Check it out. I think you'll be glad you did. Let's talk about what's next here on the program. Uh, we've got, um, well, a pretty critical write-up in the observer. I've never gotten so nostalgic about reliving the death of WCW. So when raw on October 6th happened, it wasn't that much fun. Actually, a lot of the show was fine, but the overriding storyline was so bad. It was impossible to enjoy the show. Kane chokeslammed a pinned Rosie in 322, and then chokeslammed hurricane when he went for the save. And this set up for John Wayne O'Mac. He's talking about Shane McMahon who put the boots to Kane and then ran off. They wound up in a parking lot. Shane got in the limo. Kane got a lead pipe and started smashing in the windows. This was just like every stupid car skit in WCW during the last 18 months of existence. But then it got dumber. Kane jumped in the limo after bashing through the top and Shane escaped, but had a stick on the gas pedal and the limo with no driver smashed into a semi. Of course, it was a split screen and no wrestlers were injured in the filming of this stupidity. <laughs> this, this feels like if you're watching along with us to see this accident happen with this limo running into a semi and it basically tearing off the top of the car, 
this is a movie stunt. This is, this is not professional wrestling. And I'm curious as a guy who sort of grew up in the cowboy territory era, what do you think of this? Is this one of those deals where you just have to say, well, it's evolving. It's sports entertainment. It's part of the show. Or did you hate it then now forever together? Pretty much, uh, didn't like it. Yeah. I thought we'd gone too far with it. Uh, when it was fresh and new and those stunts were new and fresh, I get it, but we did so much of it. It became, uh, old hat to me. And, uh, when it became predictable and so forth, then to me, that's a little too much. And I thought that we had gone far enough with the Hollywood like stunts and, uh, like that we're seeing right now on the screen. Well, not only that, but then they pull a bloodied cane out of the limo and you and Jerry Lawler are having to sell it. Like it's a life or death situation. And Jerry eventually says Kane's alive, but he's in critical condition. How do we know that? It's a little silly, isn't it? Oh, you're told to say it obviously, but yes. You know, how, how would you know, unless you're secretly a surgeon or doctor of some sort, but, uh, too much. When you have to stop and explain things that you're seeing, uh, it, it could be too much. And I think this is too much. Uh, Goldberg and Mark Henry have their match. It ends in a D in a DQ. Uh, when Rodney Mack interferes, Shawn Michaels comes in for the save. It's a mess. Now how do you get, how do you get Goldberg over Conrad? If you can't beat somebody, that's what I was going to say. What? Respectfully, why not just beat Mark Henry if you're building him towards the main Mark event? wouldn't have mind. Mark's no. a pro. Yes. Mark had been fine with it. Yes. But it, it just it, it, it took the sauce out of the out of the dish a little bit. I didn't have enough barbecue sauce on my on my ribs to make me happy. And that's kind of what this was in a loosely spoken way. A lot of folks have been under the impression and have just sort of stated it as if it were fact. You were there, you would know better than most. What do you make of the criticism that people have about the way some of these WCW talent were booked where people say, oh, Vince just didn't push it because it wasn't his creation. That's what fans online say. Did you feel that way at the time? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I thought that we were underutilizing some, some talents and it was going to be hard to get them jump started again, uh, and move forward in a positive way. So, uh, but it seemed that way. It seemed that. Some of the WCW guys were getting, uh, weren't even getting the benefit of the doubt as far as, can you get over and we need you to get over, but the way we're using you makes it very damn challenging. This era of WWE is really car obsessed. I mean, we just talked about the limousine accident. Well, the next week there's a mystery man trying to run Goldberg over with a car. This is the same story we told with stone cold. This is the same sort of, uh, I don't know, automobile homicide type stuff. We saw building for, uh, the rock and Hulk Hogan. And it just feels like there's too much car stuff. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I don't know why, but it, it's just, Hey, it worked once. Let's do it again. I guess. I don't know. That's uh, that's been, uh, uh, one of the curses of pro wrestling is if it worked once Well, hell we can just do it again. Right. It's just repeat it. And it, it doesn't work that way. Audience wants new things and new stuff. And, and we, we, had, we left the ring at for copious amounts of time, uh, to, uh, pull off these stunts and we were away from the ring. They weren't wrestling. 
So, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I was a big fan of that era. It's a weird deal though. And we're using stone cold here too. I mean, it's clear he's the biggest star on the show. So when we have Rob Van Dam wrestling, Scott Steiner, uh, Van Dam's going to get the win by DQ because Steiner hits him with a chair, but Steiner is basically just being harassed or, or, or is just basically harassing Stacy Keebler here. And it feels like Austin's going to come out and make the save, but he doesn't immediately get into it with Steiner. When Steiner attacks him, Austin does a number on him, hits him with a stunner and the fans go crazy because let's not forget once upon a time, Austin was the top guy and the world champ here in the WWF and well, Scott Steiner had been the WCW world champ. See, this is almost like a dream match with two top guys, even though it's just an interaction. But after Stone Cold effectively made the save for Stacy Keebler, he starts celebrating with some beer, give Stacy a beer, and then give Stacy a stunner. It's hard for me to make sense of this. Don't get me wrong. I know fans are going to cheer anything Austin does, and right. maybe we just wanted the visual of that for Stacy. But it feels like a super babyface move for him to come save her from Scott Steiner because he's harassing her. But then he turns around and stuns her. It's a little weird. It was shocking. Yeah, and that's kind of what they were what they were going for. It were it was a shocker, and and came out of nowhere, quite frankly. So, uh, yeah, it, that was a cherry on the Sunday that I wasn't expecting, uh, and it got a hell of a pop. And and Stacy, to her credit, took a took a lot better stunner than a lot of the guys were taking. We uh, we should mention this is the era where we're starting to get the tease of Jericho and Stratus. What a fun storyline that was in this era. Jericho's going to make the save for her from Stevie Richards and Victoria. And we know that's going to build and build and build through WrestleMania. Really good stuff. Anyway, as Austin's leaving, John Heidenreich's going to come up to him and give him a tape because he's looking for a job. And, uh, Heidenreich says little Johnny made the tape. Meltzer would say Heidenreich is so not ready. He's six foot seven and has big guns. And, uh, Meltzer even jokes, having seen OVW, Heidenreich probably should have just handed him eight by tens instead. <laughs> what did you think of, uh, Heidenreich, the man and the performer? Nice guy, big physical son of a gun, athletic, but, but so inexperienced that he wasn't ready. He wasn't ready for prime time. Uh, and that's my take on that deal. John is a nice guy. Yes. Big athletic son of a gun. And, and, uh, certainly, uh, you know, I, I thought he was, had, had a good attitude. He just wasn't ready for prime time. Simple as that. And, uh, and that's kind of where I, I left that situation. It was, uh, we were fishing. Could we get Heidenreich over? You know, we get an, we need another new face, new talent. Could Heidenreich be the answer? The answer to that question is no. He wasn't the guy for the job. He wasn't ready. He was, he was too green. Well, the main event was interesting that week. It's Goldberg and Shawn Michaels teaming up in the main event against Ric Flair, Randy Orton, and Mark Henry. Our baby faces get the win, but the show ends with Shawn Michaels, super kidding, super kicking Goldberg. So that's going to build to a uh, main event on Monday night. Raw. Unfortunately, around this era, we lost two wrestling greats. The first of which was October 16th. We lost Stu Hart. 
Stu, of course, is the patriarch of one of the Royal families of wrestling, I suppose. Yeah. What a legacy that the Hart family has in professional wrestling, even to this day, but I'm sure you had more than uh, a handful of conversations with Stu over the years. What can you tell us about Mr. Hart? Oh, he was a great guy. He's fun to be around and you know, his, is that, uh, it, uh, he, he had to have an interpreter to talk to him sometimes, but he was a lovable guy. Uh, he was a monster. He could, he was a shooter. Uh, and, uh, I always enjoyed my talks with Stu. I had a lot of, them. and, uh, he was just a, I thought a good guy. I really did. And he had a, an amazing family. When you look at how many, the number of kids that he had that, uh, uh was pretty phenomenal to be honest with you. And they phenomenal in the sense that they were all in wrestling in one form or one shape, form or fashion. So Stu was a good dude and tough guy. It's hard not to have great respect for Stu. I certainly did. And anybody that knew him would probably say the same thing. The other loss I feel like I grew up with, he was a big part of my childhood road warrior Hawk, the real life, Mike Hextran passed away way, way, way too soon. What an incredible performer, what a legacy he leaves behind. I mean, once upon a time, the biggest tag team in the world. And you know, that guy just always looked like a breakout star. Like I was a fan of their tag team presentation, but I always wondered just him as road warrior Hawk as a single, it felt like he could have been near the top of any card. I think we went too long with the team thing and it just didn't seem like the right fit when we got there for the single stuff, people weren't ready to see the road warriors break up in my opinion. And, uh, that's what we were trying to do there and get some more mileage out of them. And, uh, and so, but it was, it was tough. The LOD run, uh, caught up with us and it, it was, it, it was unfortunate. It was sad that that's where we were going. But, uh, Hawk was just not, uh, he just couldn't, he couldn't pull it off. You know, him and animal were a team. They're a unit. You're used to seeing them together. They had their routine down, uh, but they certainly weren't ready to be broken up and, and to go on their separate ways. It's just, it didn't seem right. It didn't seem like a good fit. And, and in my opinion, it wasn't. Another guy just gone way too long, man. October 19th, we've got SmackDown doing their no mercy pay-per-view, uh, and the grandest plans of them all. Boy, what an idea this was Vince McMahon beat Stephanie McMahon in an, I quit match just six days before her wedding with triple H it's a little weird. Yeah. Um, Paul Heyman is going to take over as GM of SmackDown. Now that Stephanie is gone. What'd you think of Paul? in this on-screen performance as a, uh, an authority figure, the GM of SmackDown here. There's no role that Paul Heyman couldn't pull off better than anybody else in that, in that world in the world of, uh, uh, administration manager, whatever, uh, you couldn't, whatever role you put Heyman in, he's going to succeed yes. period in a story. And I thought that he did here too. No exception. Vince is also going to cost the undertaker, his match against Brock Lesnar. That's going to help build towards the survivor steer survivor series match. Um, the story has always been, at least in the newsletters, 
that whenever ratings were down or, or we're struggling, it feels like, you know, we're on a downward trend that we could, it felt like we often went back to the Mr. McMahon character. Did you feel that way? That it was a fail safe? Like, you know, Hey, if we need something hot and hateable, we could always just use Vince. Absolutely. Because he was over, he was the top heel and, uh, and, and it was perfect for that role. So yeah, we kind of depended on that. That was a fail safe. That was the fallback. Vince was the best heel in the attitude era. I said that many times and I mean it, I still mean it. And I still believe in it. We've got quite the uh, show the night after no mercy, uh, Monday night raw has Goldberg and Shawn Michaels in the main event. It also sets up team Austin versus team Bischoff, where if team Austin loses that survivor series, Austin is gone as GM Meltzer would point out. This is three shows in a row with that same stipulation. We're supposed to have Goldberg and Shawn Michaels early, according to Dave Meltzer, which seemed strange because it was Henry threw Goldberg through a door and they left to get paid the hundred grand. This is the bounty of course, from triple H. Right. Jindrak and Cade confronted Orton saying they're going to take the money. Orton told them all they had to do was take out Goldberg. Instead, they attacked him, stole and ran off. I thought this was a cool idea to elevate the guys, except that wasn't the idea. Later, Triple H beat up both Cade and Jindrak with a two by four and got us hundred thousand dollars back. It's so funny in its transparency, that elevation lasted all of 20 minutes. And it's this <laughs> sort of writing in the observer. And I guess just in context, when you watch it back, that maybe gave Hunter a bad rap in the internet wrestling community for a long time. I mean, what would have been wrong with getting two heels over with stealing the money like this? And obviously that wasn't what was selected, but I could see why fans and, and some of the talent would be critical of Hunter for the way this went down. Yeah. And people blame Hunter for stuff that Vince decided to do. Yes. And that was not fair. Uh, you know, and it's, you see how the booking works out now with Hunter in charge of the booking. He's got a great booking mind and he had one then. So, uh, uh, you know, you just, things have to evolve. It has to, and, and we were dealing with a, the small little group of talent. We need, we needed to expand that main event talent so that more guys could be getting a shot at getting over and, and, and working in the main event area. So, uh, but Hunter always, I, I always thought he got a, a bad rap for that stuff. And I still do. Goldberg and Sean Michaels goes to a no contest. Uh, Sean hits a super kick, but all of a sudden Batista makes his return. It's a spine buster on Sean hits a demon buster on, or demon bomb on Goldberg. And then he, uh, quote unquote, pilmanizes the ankle of Goldberg and collects the hundred thousand dollar bounty. So evolution is back together again. An excellent way to bring Batista back into the fold. He's the person who collects the bounty. And I would imagine if Goldberg would have stuck around, it does feel like Batista Goldberg. That felt like a money main event opportunity, right? Yeah, I think so. It, it, it looks good on paper. Yeah. It, it makes a good poster, whatever you want to say. Yes. But, uh, it was, a they created a good visual to say the least. And it was a match of two very attractive, uh, athletic big guys. So, uh, yeah, I'm a, I, I like that uh, potential for where that could have gone. 
That of course happened on Monday night raw. And then that weekend, that Sunday, or sorry, that Saturday, Stephanie and Hunter get married. Did you go to the wedding? What'd you think? Ask that again, Connor, and you broke up. Did you go to Hunter and Stephanie's wedding? Yeah. What was it like? Tell us about the wedding. It's good. It's glorious. And, and, uh, you know, huge crowd. Just capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good companies like bank of America, which just earned the just capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like sharing success, which awarded 97% of their teammates, additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. My wife got to dress up, so she was happy. And, uh, yeah, I, I went to the wedding, and I, I, it was a great experience. It was, it was the biggest uh, ceremonial wedding that I'd ever attended, and, and it still is. It was very special. And uh, a beautiful church, great music, wonderful food. It was big time. It was big time, to say the very least. So, yeah, I went to it. My wife would have killed me if I decided I didn't want to go. <laughs> it wouldn't have been a good, uh, it wouldn't have been good uh, uh, for my marriage. So they're out of respect, and, and it was pretty cool. So church full of people, and it's good. It's announced, uh, on raw the next week that it's going to be Goldberg and Hunter at survivor series for the title. And this episode of Monday night raw will have some more interesting booking. We've got Cade and Jindrak teaming up to beat flair and Orton with Maven's help, but Batista comes out and destroys everyone. We haven't spent a lot of time talking about, uh, Lance slash Garrison Cade. It felt like, I don't know. I thought he had a huge upside at the time. Another guy who's gone way, way too soon. What'd you think of Lance's game? Uh, uh, unrealized potential. Yeah. Had a lot of, had a lot going for him. Did Lance and, uh, and he was complimented well with Murdoch. Uh, you know, they, they, they played off each other pretty well. Uh, so, uh, but I, I liked, uh, his, Lance's potential without question. It's just, you know, he, you get those demons that start lurking inside your psyche and, uh, it makes it very hard to be successful. We would see Jericho defeat Rob Van Dam for the intercontinental title. That's with Eric Bischoff's help. So Steve Austin immediately orders a rematch in a cage and Van Dam wins the title six minutes later. So yes, we're getting some great wrestling and some great stars like Jericho and Rob Van Dam, but it's all about storyline. Really. It's all about Bischoff versus Austin. The IC title sort of hangs in the balance. Steve Austin is the focus of the raw in Cleveland on November 3rd. And it's portrayed like it might be one of the last times he's on the show, of course, because 
Well, if he loses or his team loses at survivor series, he's no longer the GM. Uh, the reality is we're trying to help set up Goldberg here. And Austin is getting involved with so much talent. I mean, we just sort of broke down how he was involved in the Rob Van Dam and, and Chris Jericho thing. And before that he was out there with uh, Stacy Keebler and, 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 and Scott Steiner. It feels right. like we're trying as best we can in a non in ring kind of way, as much as we can, let's let Steve give all of these other guys a little bit of the rub. That doesn't seem that difficult to figure out, right? No, it makes common sense. Logically, it's just that some of those guys you're trying to give a rub to, you can rub them to death and they're not going to get over. John Cena begins his true ascent. He's going to turn babyface on SmackDown, refusing to be on Brock Lesnar's team at survivor series. Uh, another death. This was like, we've talked about this way too much in this episode, November 6th, Michael Lockwood, who we knew as crash Holly passed away. The dude was only 32 years old. Yeah. It's just sure. hard to imagine. Um, it may be even harder to imagine is a decision was made internally for whatever reason to not acknowledge his death on WWE TV. I don't get that. Normally we, we start the show with at least a photo in the years. If it's somebody who's on the active roster, maybe we do the whole 10 bell salute, but at 32 years old, crash Holly passes away and it's not acknowledged. And it makes me wonder, do you think perhaps it was just too close to the Stu Hart and road warrior Hawk deaths? And perhaps Vince thought the optics on this look bad. We got to stop showing these. And unfortunately, too many many deaths tainted the shows. Too many deaths were not good. Uh, you had to, we had to get away from that deal, I I think, but to to not acknowledge, uh, crash Holly, uh, was unfortunate. Uh, he deserved better, but he didn't get it. The go home episode of Monday night raw is in Boston. Uh, Shawn Michaels is going to defeat Randy Orton clean in the middle of the ring and under seven minutes. So much for that legend killer gimmick. Uh, Kane and Shane are going to have a quiet discussion at a Chinese restaurant after they've electrocuted each other's testicles and tried to decapitate each other in limousines. Kane is trying to explain the reason I electrocuted your testicle. Shane is because I wanted to make sure you don't have any kids. God. Oh my gosh. What a shot. I mean, what are we doing with this? I mean, if you're watching with us over on YouTube, like I, I'm, I I have secondhand embarrassment, even discussing this stuff. I, I can understand that. Yeah. It made very little common sense. I applaud Kane for being able to pull it off and and Shane for that matter. But Kane, especially this big monster, uh, getting manipulated, uh, was uncomfortable, uncomfortable as hell. It just wasn't good stuff. No, I agree. It was not good stuff, but what is good stuff is blue chew. It's almost like there was a hard on for bad writing back then, but you can have a hard on for any reason right now with our friends at blue chew. What you're going to find is it's got the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis and Levitra, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. So you can take them anytime day or night. So plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. 
The process is simple. You sign up at bluechew.com. You consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. Here's the best part. It's all done online. That means no skips, no uh, visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations. You get to skip the line at the pharmacy too. How about that? Bluetooth tablets are made in the USA, prepared and shipped directly to your door, all in a discreet package, but there won't be anything discreet about your package. Bluetooth wants to help you have better sex. So discover your options at bluetooth.com. Chew it and do it. We've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Bluetooth free when you use our promo code JR at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code JR will help you receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we want to thank Bluechew for sponsoring today's podcast. By the way, you hear some of the same advertisers week in, week out, month after month, year after year. Why is that? Well, because it really works. If you're looking for men 25 to 54, there's no better place to advertise than right here with us at advertisewithjr.com. Speaking of advertising here, we got a ton of new swag and merch opportunities for you as well. Love to have your support over at grilling JRTs. You'll see visors like the ones you see JR wear. We've got uh, some fun coffee cups, some t-shirts, some hats, some hoodies, some cutting boards, some tumblers, something for everybody. Highly recommend it. It's grillingjrts.com. And also want to mention you get all of our shows early and ad free over at adfreeshows.com. We've got a ton of great, a ton of great bonus content. The book with David Crockett, we go through episodically month by month, every single day in the fabulous books that were written by JJ Dillon, maintained by his brother, Jimmy. And now we break it down with David Crockett every single month over at adfreeshows.com. We've also got all the great archival radio shows that JR used to do back in the day in Atlanta, and it's like a time capsule. I think you'll really enjoy it. All that and more over at adfreeshows.com, including you get to be a part of the live studio audience. I want to give a shout out to Daniel and Eric and Kelly and coach Keith and so many other folks who are hanging out with us early on a uh, Wednesday morning and appreciate all you guys do for us. And Jim, it's time. We're finally here. After we've uh, set the stage for our ambulance match with Kane and Shane from a Chinese restaurant, we're at the American airlines in Dallas and boy, is it a successful show? 450,000 buys. And this is quite an increase. Let's remind you that the prior year, 2002, we debuted the elimination chamber at Madison square garden. We're following it up a year later at the American airlines in Dallas not an elimination chamber and we've got more buys 110,000 more buys. That's kind of crazy to think about, you know, going up 110,000. Yeah, good. It was good news. Hell it was, yeah. It showed that things were starting to work and talents were getting over and some of these stories were catching fire. So it, it was good. It was a pleasant surprise and a great company win without question. We, uh, we got to mention that this show got a lot of critical acclaim too. 74.7% of the readers of the observer gave this show a thumbs up and man, there's a lot to unpack on this show. There was a late change to the show to Jerry and Jamie noble for the cruiserweight title supposed to be on the pay-per-view and wind up actually being on heat and they do this so they can add a skit with Mark Cuban. It was a wrestling fan who grew up in Pittsburgh 
actually went to the same high school as Kurt Angle had previously even done OVW TV skits with John Cena, but here he is now the owner of the Dallas Mavericks 20 years ago, and he's uh, rubbing up against uh, Jonathan coachman. And I guess the idea is they're hoping it makes sports center. It doesn't actually work out, but Mark Cuban, one of the world's most famous men and certainly wealthiest men. what did you think of Mark? Did you get to spend any time with him? Yeah. Nice guy. Great guy. I know when I, when I got sick, when I was, uh, I had a little issue, health issue when I was working at, uh, uh, access TV and, uh, Mark, uh, called and was more than willing to give me the best doctor, uh, doctors fly me wherever I needed to go. He just, he cared a good guy. Uh, uh, and, uh, I was very appreciative of his kindness. And I still am. He was, uh, he didn't have to do the, go be up and beyond, but he did. And I certainly appreciated it then. And I appreciated it perhaps even more now. It's pretty interesting. This skit, because it winds up with uh, Randy Orton actually laying Mark Cuban out with an RKO. So pretty cool. Little bit of trivia for WWE fans and, and Dallas Maverick fans. Let's talk about the matches on the show. How about this one? Bob Holly and Chris Benoit and John Cena and Kurt Angle and Bradshaw. What a team that is. That's one side against Lesnar, Big Show, Matt Morgan, Nathan Jones, and A-Train. Woo. My goodness. That's that's one way of putting it. Yeah. I mean, let's run through those teams again. Holly, Benoit, Cena, Angle, Bradshaw. Lesnar, Big Show, Matt Morgan, Nathan Jones, A-Train. This is the opening match on the show. It gets uh two and a half stars. According to Dave Meltzer, Benoit and John Cena are going to shake hands after the match. Yeah. Who would have thought this is what it's going to happen, but a lot of future big names. Of course, at this point, John Cena is not the John Cena. We know now, uh, Kurt angle is the Kurt angle. We know now Bradshaw's climbing the cards, but goodness gracious, the other side of that dude with. Matt Morgan, Nathan Jones. I mean, this is like a trivia question of sorts here. Size all about the size. Vince loves size, big athletic guys, draw money and tough guys, draw money. And there were plenty of those tough guys and size in that opening match without question. It was a big deal. Uh, impressive, uh, humanity. (laughs) It was, it was, uh, interesting teams Two two big, strong, interesting teams. And they seem to all be of the same mindset. They sold, uh, they worked hard. So I, I was, uh, I was happy with how that match came out because it could have come out as a, just a cluster, uh, depending on who wanted to sell, who was in the mood to sell so forth and so on. And lots of times when you get a collection of big guys together, uh, their collective thoughts are not to sell for the other guy. And we didn't have that. I don't think at least in my memory. I don't think that happened in this match. Well, what's interesting about this is we're just six months away from Bradshaw becoming JBL and becoming WWE champion. I mean, here he's getting choke slammed by big show and he's out in 48 seconds. And I think it's worth noting too. I could be wrong on this, but this might actually be Nathan Jones, only WWE pay-per-view appearance. I yeah. I can't remember another one. He, yeah. He's another guy that had all the potential in the world. Literally, and, and just he he wasn't ready for prime time. Nathan wasn't socially ready 
to be on national television. He just wasn't. And nice guy, but uh, he just was, uh, he was a little unstable, shall we say. Meltzer has a lot to say about this match. He says the negative here is they're trivializing beating Lesnar as he's lost too often on TV to where beating him is now nothing special. Even though Benoit made him tap, no emphasis was put on it when it was over and they still had to continue the match. The last impact is Cena putting the FU on show, which lessened the impact of Benoit's wind. It was just the ending of a fall in the opening match and never talked about again. Later, when they brought Lesnar out for a promo designed to get the you tapped out chance directed at him, Benoit's name was never mentioned. And it was Goldberg who confronted him to tease a potential WrestleMania match. I think there's some wisdom in this, you know, I know we say sometimes wins and losses don't matter, but when you've got a monster like Brock Lesnar, they matter. They matter. Conrad, you know, people bullshit us when I can understand you can have successful outings and successful presentations, uh, no matter the win loss scenario. Uh, but, uh, wins are important, especially in a scenario like this, in my opinion. And this is no different. You just had a lot of big, big stars that were going on the cusp of becoming even bigger stars. And it was just a matter of who's going to break loose. And as you alluded to moments ago, one of those guys that broke loose and became a star was JBL, uh, going all the way to the, t- the championship. Next up, we've got Molly Holly retaining the women's title. She's going to beat Lita in six minutes and 48 seconds after running her head into the exposed metal under, after undoing a uh, turnbuckle. Uh, the key moves are Lita missing a moonsault Molly doing her, uh, Molly go around finisher and Lita kicking out of that Meltzer would say Lita is the most charismatic of the raw women. But the standard of work has increased greatly due to fit Finley in the year plus, and it's been noticeable. So yeah, it's, t- fit was a big, uh, fit was a big, uh, asset. Uh, and is he still there? I think so. Uh, yeah, he did a great job, uh, with the working with the women. They liked him. They trusted him. Uh, he had fit always had great knowledge. So he was a invaluable, uh, asset to the presentation of all the females and, uh, he deserves a lot of credit does fit. Next up, we've got Kane and Shane McMahon in an ambulance match. They go 13 minutes and 34 seconds. Almost none of this is done on the ring. Uh, they're going to be using TV monitors and Spanish announce tables and going backstage. And there's a kendo stick and an SUV and a glass window and an ambulance and garbage cans and. They've even got a crash pad. Shane's going to come off the top of the ambulance with a drop kick into a garbage can while Kane's on the floor. And there's going to be some holy, holy shit chance here. And the finish is going to be Kane using a tombstone on the floor and then putting him in the ambulance quote. I think people were surprised at Shane losing so cleanly. They beat the hell out of each other, but it wasn't a good match. Star and three quarters. I think this is the first ambulance match in WWE history. It does make for an interesting visual. I don't know that you're probably a, a fan of these type matches though. Well, I think when you leave the ring and most of your action is out of the ring, it makes it challenging to get the presentation over. Yes. That's always been my issue. Uh, and that's what we saw. 
guys were they were this ambulance was was the was they featured the catalyst and so sometimes when you're out of the ring and you're and, and your wrestling match is re- isn't really a wrestling match it's a stunt show uh you know it's it's, it's not my cup of tea Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The Bashams are out next. They're going to retain the tag titles over Chavo and Eddie Guerrero. Seven minutes and 31 seconds. A new look for the Bashams here that Dave Meltzer calls new S and M ring attire. Uh, I always wonder what S and M ring attire would look like. I guess we now, now know. Now we know, uh, we don't spend a lot of time talking about the Bashams. Talk to me about the Bashams. Well, they're, they're vastness are a hell of a team. Uh, you know, they had that, uh, that, that OVW, uh, heritage, which could be good blessing or a curse. Uh, but they were Doug Basham, uh, and his partner were e- excellent. Uh, and they, they were, they came out of that OVW, uh, environment, uh, ready to go. They'd wrestled a long time. They had successes. They're fundamentally sound. Uh, they deserve their opportunity. And so, uh, but they never gave us any trouble. They could work with anybody and make anybody look better than they were. So, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I was a fan of the Bashams. I'm glad they got their opportunity. They retained those tag titles over Chavo and Eddie seven minutes and 31 seconds. Um, they're going to do some switcheroos here with the performers, uh, Eddie's going to be mad at Chavo afterwards. And, um, yeah, next up, it's time for one of our main events. I suppose one of the, the biggest stakes team Bischoff versus team Austin team Bischoff is Randy Orton, Chris Jericho, Christian Scott Steiner, and Mark Henry team. Austin is Shawn Michaels, Rob Van Dam, the Dudley boys and Booker T. They go 27 minutes and 27 seconds. And Meltzer would say in hindsight, this should have gone on last because there was so much time devoted to it and nothing could follow it. Uh, this is the first time I think Mark Henry has been wrestling on pay-per-view in like four years. So it's a big opportunity for Mark Henry and Rob Van Dam was putting on quite a show here. It's a coming out party. If you will, Meltzer loves this match gives it four and a quarter stars. If you're going to watch wow. one match from this show, I would recommend it be this one. Yeah. Anytime, doubt. anytime you got Shawn Michaels 
in a 20 minute match, probably going to be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't think you're going out on a limb on saying that. Uh, Meltzer would say the post-match was even better. The audience is in stunned silence with Austin giving a very short farewell speech with a humbled um, Sean Michaels whispering. I'm sorry. Over and over again, eventually coach comes out with security guards. Austin stuns them all, including coach and walks out, leaving two beer cans in the middle of the ring to end his time. This was the send off that, uh, a lot of people were probably thinking they'd never see. But that's the end of this storyline character, at least for now on this pay-per-view. Of course, we know it's never really over, but never. what do you, what do you think of that? Having team Bischoff win? I think most people assume, well, Austin's not gonna have to leave, but he does. And leaving the two beer cans in the middle of the ring. That's interesting. No, very, sim- very symbolic. I yes. thought, and, uh, you know, you know, did, I don't think anybody thought Steve was gone, gone. Right. He just wasn't the general manager anymore, which is going to lead to more problems that he's going to be facing. Uh, but he's, he's, uh, he's still the star of the show. And I think getting those heels over wasn't a bad thing. No doubt about it, but I'll tell you what, there's plenty of bad to come. We've still got to talk about Vince McMahon and the undertaker and Goldberg and, and triple H and, uh, well, it's a buried alive match for the chairman. So I sure do hope that these days, if he's worried about something like that, he knows he's got the spider grip. Did you drop your phone again? Come on. Tell the truth. You've done that before. That's why you need a spider grip. Spider grip keeps your phone in your hand, right where it belongs. It's the phone grip that won't slip. Spider grip props up on a stand, rotates 360 degrees, and it lays flat, locked in place, easily fitting into your pockets or your purse. Spider grip is comfortable, durable, and functional. It appeals to anyone who has a phone. No more unfortunate drops in all the wrong places. No more missed opportunities on great pictures and videos. No more hand pain due to balancing your phone on your pinky finger. Why? because spider grip allows you to hold your phone in the most natural and comfortable way. And as unique as, uh, as spider grip is their team is as well. Check this out. Co-founded and invented by recording artist and entrepreneur, David Britt. Spider grip is also co-founded and co-owned by actress and producer, Kate Bosworth, along with Mr. Worldwide himself, the Grammy winning artist Pitbull seen spider grip be featured on live national television. They were on America's big deal, which aired live on the USA network and the inventor, David Britt, along with special guests, pro wrestling duo, the Dawson's pitched the product to the American public sold out in two and a half minutes. It's also been featured on HSN. Here's the deal. Spider grip is the best phone around. It's made right here in the USA. It's headquartered in Charlotte, North Carolina. The old stomping grounds of the glory days of Jim Crockett promotions and spider grip is actually used by several pro wrestling stars today, including Eric Bischoff, who just did a damn tutorial this week. It was unbelievable. Get yours today at spidergrip.com. That's S P I I D E R G R I I P.com. That's two eyes in spider <laughs> and two eyes in grip. So spider and grip. Use the code JR at checkout. You'll get 30% off and free shipping grip. The freedom, man, this is something we all got to think about, man. Who hasn't dropped a phone, Jim? Oh yeah. Every day. Yeah. 
every day for me, it seems like I'm falling into something. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, it's a hell of an idea. It's another one of those co- ideas you come back and you say, God dang it, why didn't I think of that? Because it's just so logical. And it's a, it's a great product. And like you said, Conrad, everybody's got a phone. And they're generally on it. Yes. So uh, give it a, check it out and see what you think about this this idea. We're very happy that they're sponsoring our show. And we think that you'll be very happy when you purchase your spider grip. Uh, makes, makes life a little bit easier. Well said. Life was maybe not so easy for Vince McMahon and The Undertaker to do a buried alive match. Yeah. Austin just left his beer cans in the middle of the ring. And now how do we follow it? A buried alive match with the undertaker and Vince McMahon. Meltzer would say they could really do nothing here. After the last bout Vince bladed after the first punch, the match had no heat. Despite all the blood undertakers, crotching Vince on the post, wrapping his leg around the post. There's puddles of blood all over in and around the ring. Undertaker is going to get, uh, the shovel from the gravesite, start hitting Vince with it. And Meltzer would say one thing about Vince is he doesn't ask people to take it easy on him. Undertaker sure dr- drags him out of the ring over to the gravesite. somewhere in here. Undertaker's arm gets all cut up. Undertaker's going to make a comeback. He's throwing dirt and delivering a low blow. And, uh, down goes the undertaker in the grave after that low blow from Vince, but Undertaker comes back, has Vince in the grave, and all of a sudden he goes to the tractor to shovel in mounds of dirt, but it explodes. So Kane comes out, kicks the Undertaker into the grave, saves Vince. <sighs> Vince being a bloody mess is what we all remember, but this is the last time we see Undertaker as the American badass. And Undertaker recently on his podcast talked about how. He knew eventually when he pitched Vince on the American badass character, there would be a storyline way to get him back to being the dead man. And this is what it was. The explosion from the, uh, the, the heavy equipment here. And then ta-da Kane throws him in the grave and he's dead. And now he's dead again. No more American badass. What do you think of the match? It's maybe an interesting placement on the card. You can't really start with a buried alive match. I get that. You don't necessarily want to finish with it. It's unfortunate. They had to follow that other match, but it is what it is. Uh, but then the, the way we're going to storyline, put an end to the American badass character. What do you think of that? It was an interesting presentation. It was better than I thought it was going to be, to be honest with you. Uh, Vince showed his toughness. Taker showed his toughness. They told a nice story with limited opportunities to make it great. Cause you know, how do you make something great? And, uh, it, that's on a hill of dirt and with a hole in the ground and all that stuff. It's just, I didn't know what to expect. It was a new presentation for me to watch and to commentate on. Uh, but it was, it came out better than I thought it might. Yeah, it's it, these type matches are spectacles. They're visuals. I mean, you know, I guess it's sort of like the ambulance match too, but, uh, the end of the American badass character, which I actually liked, I thought it was time. To I did too. I did too. I liked it new. a lot. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Connie. I wish we could say that about our main event. 
Goldberg is going to pin triple H to keep the raw title. It goes almost 12 minutes. It gets two and a half stars. Um, Goldberg is going to tease hitting triple H with a sledgehammer. He throws it down out of the ring, pins him instead after a spear and a jackhammer. And Meltzer says if they would have introduced him like this, he would have done big business for him. I guess that's hard to disagree with. You sort of said you don't totally disagree with the, uh, sentiment that perhaps because it wasn't his creation, he didn't always put all of his weight behind it. He being Vince McMahon, but this second match is better than their first. This is probably how you're supposed to book Goldberg. How are you feeling about Goldberg at this point? I have, I have more hope. I think that second match, uh, helped me get develop more hope that, uh, we were on the right road with Goldberg, uh, you know, to book Goldberg, Goldberg booking Goldberg is like, is a lot like booking Steve. Uh, they have a lot in common look style, all that stuff, rugged baby faces. Uh, so I, I was after that second match, I was a lot more optimistic about the future of Goldberg and WWE than I was before that. What's up, man? It's AJ Francis reporting to you live from the basketball court in my backyard. Just wanted to say thank you to Conrad for giving me this opportunity to spread the word about my canned food drive this weekend at the University of Maryland in College Park. University of Maryland Terps, go Terps, taking on the number two ranked Michigan Wolverines, okay? But it's not just the game, it's my canned food drive. Everybody coming to the game, please bring canned goods and non-perishables. Even if you're tailgating at the game and there's a bag of chips or something that you didn't happen to use and you want to bring it, bring it to the gate when you go to the game and everybody will be able to benefit from it, man. We're serving Sarah's house, which is a homeless shelter that is, you know, in the city next to where I grew up. It's right across the street from Fort Meade Army Base. A lot of the people in this shelter are children. So we wanna look out for the kids, man. I've been doing this for a long time. This is my seventh year doing the event. And I thank each and every one of you for the opportunity to spread the news. Be blessed, holla at y'all. Jason Bayless would say, history was made on this pay-per-view. It's the first time ever where both Vince and Shane had singles matches on the same show. Uh, call me Lionheart says, do you think the buried alive concert is one of the most out there gimmick matches WWE's come up with? What was your initial reaction to hearing, Hey, to win this match, you have to bury a guy alive. Yeah. It sounded good on paper. Uh, how, how was it going to be executed is the next question. And it, it, it actually exceeded expectations in my view because of the surroundings and, and the whole, uh, the dirt, the grave, the hole in the ground, the, the using shovels and all these things. Uh, it was, it was, uh, quite the, quite the spectacle to say the least. There's only so much you can do in that environment. And I think those guys did just about all, as, as much and all they could to make it successful. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, the rumor in innuendo our pal, Derek Zoo says the rumor in innuendo is that Austin was asking time off to go hunting in this era. The code GM story had more steam in it. I thought, and when Austin came back, the sheriff felt like something was missing. Do you think it was a bad idea to have Austin off for those six weeks? Well, he needed it. You know, I don't think, I don't know if it's a bad idea, but he needed some time off. You know, Austin always knew when he's about to burn burn out, uh, get frayed edges, whatever you want to say. Uh, 
so he, he knew what he needed to do in that regard. And, uh, so we acquiesced and he got his time off. You got to do that. Whether it's, you just got to, I mean, you got to take care of the horses. They're running and doing the work. So make sure you're taking care of them. And that's what we were trying to do with Steve. Let's, uh, let's do one last question here. The cruiserweight match here was bumped for the pre-show. William Anthony asked for the Mark Cuban RKO spot. The question is what would have been a better sell for the pay-per-view than the Cuban spot, than the Tajiri noble match. I that's, I don't know. Like you're trying to use that free for all, if you will, the heat pre-show, the pre-game show. You want to have some matches on that, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Without a doubt, you need matches, but the Cuban thing was interesting. You know, he was a famous guy. He still is a lot of name identity perceived as a star owner of the Mavs and all that stuff. So, uh, I, I didn't have a problem with the Cuban stuff. I, I, I thought Mark did a great job. And asking a guy to take an RKO that's never taken one before and doing it without a net on live television, uh, is a little bit daunting as I like to say. And that was certainly daunting and uh, Cuban did, did his job. He did. He, he pulled it off and I'll always have great respect for Mark Cuban for that. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode, uh, survivor series, 2003, Jim, before we clicked record today, you said, how many more damn survivor series are we going to do? And we did have it (laughs) on the docket to do survivor series 93, but Jim says, get the hell out of here with that survivor series talk. I'm tired of survivor series. I'm surviving enough. So that's, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, it it was, uh, interesting. The whole survivor series thing was an interesting thing. It's. It's been up and down, hot and cold, uh, over the years. It's just hard to, it's hard to put a show together where you've got a a main event that takes 10 talents out of your availabilities. And that's kind of what survivor series became. And the only way to pull that off is to have depth in the roster. And you know, when you're using 10 guys, two, five man teams, it's a, it's very challenging to say the least Conrad. Well, next week, we're going to be doing something a little different. We're going to throw you guys the keys to the show. We're going to use hashtag JR. So anywhere you use social media, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, just use hashtag ask JR. And we're going to field your questions next week on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Give you something to be thankful for talking about JR on Turkey day. We're doing it next week, right here on the program. Be sure to get your questions in now. It's easy to interact with us on social. It's at JR's barbecue on Twitter. His Instagram is at Jim Ross BBQ. And our show handles are at JR grilling on Twitter, Instagram, grilling JR over on Facebook. And of course our YouTube is grilling JR on youtube.com. So if you've got a question for us, be sure to use the hashtag ask JR. And, uh, just in time for the holiday season, cause come next week, we're all going to be thinking about that. I need to tell everybody the go-to place to get gifts for the wrestling fan in your life there is you jrsbbq.com. I think so. It's a wide array, array of pricing, uh, items, great taste in food, uh, books, signed items, uh, action figures, trade cl- classic trading cards, signed 
And of course, if you haven't tried our JR's red ass hot sauce, uh, I think if you got the courage, venture over there and, and give it a shot. So, uh, great stocking stuffers for the upcoming holidays without question. Hope you'll give us a, a shot at, at uh, being, uh, a gift provider, shall we say, uh, for all of our stuff. Uh, and you'll make somebody, some wrestling fan, very, very happy. Check it out. JRsBBQ.com. And this weekend plop down Saturday night. Don't you dare miss AEW full gear. They always over deliver on pay-per-view. The main event is Jay white and MJF. The undercard is stacked top to bottom. It's going to be an incredible night of action. JR won't be there, but he'll be doing the same thing. I am watching from the comfort of home and we hope you will be too. So if you can't make your way to LA, be sure to watch on pay-per-view, but if you can make your way out, tickets are still there. AEWTIX.com. Jim, I'm looking forward to next week, not only because it'll be turkey time, but because it'll be time for us to pick your brain on professional wrestling. That'll be a fun show. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I like those shows, Connie. So uh get your questions in, everybody, and load up and let's get this thing rolling. Let's have some fun with this deal next week. We'll see you sooner rather than later, right here on Grilling JR with the voice of wrestling, Mr. Jim Ross. Boomer Sooner, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate you guys very much. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson here to tell you a little more about what adfreeshows.com is all about. Get early ad-free access to more than a dozen of your favorite wrestling podcasts every single week, starting at just nine bucks. That's less than 20 cents an episode each month. And yes, you can listen to them all directly through Apple Podcasts or your regular podcast apps. How easy is that? Ad-free shows also has thousands of hours worth of bonus content and docu-series like Title Chase, Eric Fires Back, Conversations with Conrad, and The Insiders. Plus new series like The Book with David Crockett, Monday Mailbags with Mike Kyoto and Nick Patrick, and a whole lot more. And you want to talk about early? You can't get any earlier than listening to the shows live. You can be a part of the live studio audience as we record the podcast. Plus, ride shotgun alongside your favorite childhood heroes for live watch-alongs, Q&As, and other interactive experiences every single month. Come on now, see for yourself what thousands of other wrestling fans from around the world have discovered that adfreeshows.com is the best value in wrestling. Check it out today, and hey, when you do, the first week is completely free, adfreeshows.com. Hey everybody, this is Dan Bespris, host of Fantasy NBA Today, a daily fantasy basketball podcast. We cover every box score from every game, every day. Plus bonus shows on buy low opportunities, players to stash, schedule analysis, and really anything you could need to smash your league into deliciously tiny pieces. Catch the Fantasy NBA Today podcast, part of the Believe Network, on YouTube or wherever you listen.